everybody's all together lovely and wonderful to us in this place. If you believe that, somebody shout, hallelujah. Come on, y'all. We came in here to worship God. Come on, 1045. Shout it all out. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm excited. Woo! Yes, Lord. I'm excited. Well, my name's Al. I'm the student pastor here. That's why I get away with wearing a hat on a Sunday morning. <laughs> well, listen, y'all. We're in a series that we have entitled Living the Good Life. I know all my millennials, y'all thought about that Kanye West and T-Pain song. I know. I'm good. Welcome to the good life. No. Pray for your boy. Pray for your boy. <laughs> but this series, The Good Life, we're talking about what does Jesus mean when he wants us to live the good life? And so week one, we heard about obedience. And in week two, we heard about sacrifice and really not wasting your life. And then in week three, Pastor Omar so clearly and eloquently laid it down, talking about the gospel of remembrance. We should remember. But today what I want to talk about is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And so y'all come here. I didn't come to hear some reviews. We came to dive into the word. Amen. Well, listen, uh, our victory today is going to be coming from Mark chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verses 32 through 42, but right now I just want us to very simply to read two verses, verses 37 and 38. Now, there is some crowd participation involved. There will be a word that is highlighted, and I want us to shout it out across all of our campuses online. If you're watching this in your office or whatever, shout it out in your office. Look crazy. God bless you. But we want you to shout this out nice and loud and clear and slow. Amen? So here we are. We are in Mark chapter 14. And right now, we're going to be starting in verse 37. It says, And he, being Jesus, came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch? There we go. That's good, 1045. Could you not watch one hour? Verse 38 and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. My, my, my. But the flesh is weak. If you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, I would love to title this message, Eyes Up. Eyes Up. As a matter of fact, across all of our campuses and everyone online, would y'all say this with me? Say, Eyes Up. Eyes Up. Let's pray. It's only fitting on a message about prayer, right? Lord, we do ask for more light to understand your word. God, we ask that you would stir up our hearts and our emotions to truly understand what happened the night our salvation came. When our Savior died on that cross, the great conversation he had with you. Lord, I do ask now that you would encourage those that need any encouragement, God. Strengthen those that need strength, God. And maybe those who got a little bit off the track, can you admonish us and put us back on? Lord, I do ask now that you would guide my thoughts and govern my words so that the meditations of my heart are pleasing in your sight. Lord, speak now for your servants are listening and all of God's people said, 
Amen and amen. You may be seated across all of our campuses. Imagine, if you will, the year was 1965. And our great nation was involved in the Vietnam War. And in 1965, Colonel Thomas Jerry Curtis and his crew, the Husky crew, were sent out on a mission to go and rescue a lone soldier. And so he and his crew, they knew that they were headed into enemy territory where they would face for, without a doubt, adversity. And so he and his crew, they finally made their way to this forest where the lone soldier was hiding and lowered enough. And, and uh, Jerry, he likes to go by the name Jerry in his book he talked about. Jerry Curtis, he talked about lowering down over the forest and lowering down the net where he would then pick up their lone comrade. And then he heard, boom, boom, two gunshots from the enemy had shot out the engine and their helicopter. And the plane came crashing down on top of that forest. The Captain Curtis and his, uh, uh, Colonel Curtis and his crew, they were fine. They made their way out. They got the lone soldier. And their plan was, let's evade the enemy throughout the night. And then we can be rescued by our own team in the morning. But unfortunately, they were captured. And Commander Curtis, Colonel Curtis and his team, they spent not one year, not two, but seven and a half years as prisoners of war. Now, what most don't know about in his book that he wrote with a ghostwriter called In the Shadow of Light, Captain Jerry, uh, Commander Jerry Curtis, he talks about his faith that actually kept him while he was a prisoner of war. He talked about times when he was in solitary confinement and how he would have his eyes up in prayer, and that's what helped push him through that seven-and-a-half-year span. Because he knew adversity was coming, but he had to trust God, and he knew that there would be a day where he would celebrate victory. Well, the seven-and-a-half years had passed, and peace talks were made, and they were finally able to bring him home. He came home to the great, welcome home, Colonel Curtis. And he even talks about getting off the plane and seeing his wife and kids. His son was now 15 years old at this time. He was a little boy when he left. But you know, there was one thing too, was that actually Colonel Curtis, he was not just praying, but his wife was as well. And was teaching the son how to pray for their daddy. And I couldn't find the photo. I was looking all over for it. But in the book, he talks about this moment where he goes and he sees his family and he hugs. And it's very interesting. There's a picture they have of them and where they're hugging. And then in the corner of the room is a very simple picture frame that just says, God answers prayers. And I love that statement, but I would love to take it a step further because oftentimes whenever we say God answers prayers, a lot of times we think that he's answering prayers according to our will. But God does not answer according to our will. It's according to his will. So I would love to take it a step further with us in here today and remind us that there is absolute power in prayer. 
There's absolute power in prayer. And that's the big idea I want us to take home today is this, is that we must keep our spiritual eyes up through the power of prayer. And you may be sitting here right now, you're like, okay, cool title, I don't even know what that means, bro. What you saying? How do I keep my eyes up? Well, good question. Glad you asked. We're going to see in our text today, and we're going to do this with three very simple points. I'm going to give this to you now, and then we'll walk through it. Here's how you keep your eyes up. Number one, you got to arm for adversity. And then you need to absolutely trust in the Trinity, and then you'll celebrate that victory. Open up your Bible apps and everything now. You can write this down, point number one, arm for adversity. And we're jumping right into it. Write this down as point A. The good life doesn't mean the easy life. Amen? The good life does not mean the easy life. I know Jesus was a man of absolute 100% complete joy, but the Bible also describes him as a man of sorrows. Wasn't always easy. And we're going to see that in our text, that Jesus was armed for adversity while the disciples had their spiritual eyes closed the entire chapter. We're starting in verse 32 in our text today, but I have to show us some of this because this entire chapter starts with adversity. Look at verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and scribes, these were the church leaders of the day, the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. Would you call that adversity? Oh, yes. And then it goes on to the great story that we heard a couple weeks ago from Pastor Carlos talking about, you know, don't waste your life, the alabaster jar that you would break over the feet. And so there's a beautiful moment there. But then quickly look at verse 10. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, the trusted friend, the money man. You know you trust this person when you give him your money. Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord. The trusted friend. What did he do? Who was one of the 12? Went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. Would you say that's adversity? Oh, you bet. And then what happens next is Jesus then goes with his disciples. They set up for the Passover. If y'all were here last week, Pastor Omar laid it on down, talking about the Passover meal and our Passover lamb. But I do got to quickly say something about this, though, to explain the Passover. Shout out to all my Hebrews and Shebrews out there, my Messianic Jews. God bless. But if you've ever been to a Pesach Seder, a Passover Seder, they are fun. There's a lot of singing involved, right? The It's fun, right? You got the kids go around the table, die, die, new. It's fun. And I mean, I, I know we're in church. Uh, but there is involved throughout the night four large glasses of wine. Shout out to the Purple Lips crew. God bless you. I know. Pray for your boy, youth pastor. Pray for me. <laughs> so don't be mad at them boys when they're falling asleep. You know what I'm saying? So they go through the Passover, and the Passover night happens, and then Jesus looks at his best friend, and he goes, before this night's up, you will deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. Adversity. And then he now takes his disciples outside and they go down the Hinnom Valley. And they make their way through this Hinnom Valley and then they get to this brook where they're getting ready to cross this brook. And hours later, thousands of Passover lambs will be sacrificed and their blood will spill right through that Kidron Brook. And the Lamb of God 
steps right over that brook into a garden. And this is where we pick up in our text today. Look down at verse 32. It says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. I have to stop and explain something here. This word Gethsemane literally means olive press. He took his disciples into a place of pressing. And there is a side note for us in here as believers is because oftentimes the way God brings our purpose out in us is through some pressing. Would you not agree? Oh, yes, amen. Sometimes that's how it is. He takes us to the garden of pressing and there we can fulfill that purpose. But then listen on. It says, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled, meaning he was alarmed and terrified. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Here we go. Remain here and watch. Remain here and watch. Be alert. Armed for adversity, fellas. I have to stop. You can write this down as letter B. I have to stop and make this comment because it says he took with him Peter, James, and John. And the youth pastor in me wants to make a comment is, who are the Peter, James, and Johns in your life? Who are the young people that you're bringing along with you and training up and you're discipling? If you're a parent, I know sometimes your kid get on your nerves, but that's your Peter, James, and John. (laughs) But then I also want to make the application as well is, who are the people that you call on? Who are the people that you talk to when you're in desperate need of prayer? Who are the prayer warriors that you have in your life? Who are the people you can call on? Here at the Palmetto Bay campus, there's a group of men. I call them Bishop Don and Bishop Virgil. And they pray. They teach you the Bible study, and then they pray. I go to them for anything. Hey, man, these kids is crazy. Uh, uh, we need prayer for this. We need these kind of leaders on this kind of Friday night. Can you pray for this? And I talk to them. I pray for them. Pray, pray. They were just here last service, and we were praying for different leaders. And they go, how many people did you get? I go, oh, we got two more. He goes, all right, we're still praying. You got to have those prayer warriors in your life. I even think about me and Pastor Gideon uh, with the downtown group led by my, uh, Jonah and Lily, my peeps. Yeah, hey, shout out Coral Gables. Y'all watching right now. Whatever, God bless them. But in our prayer group, there we have that time where we pray for one another. We have one of our leaders that were even there going and being with our family in Surfside, and we're able to pray for them. Who are the prayer warriors in your life? Now, I want to give us a Kind of take us up above water, some let us get some breath, because I know some of y'all are like, what the heck, Al, you're the funny guy. Well, tell some jokes. Why are you up here being so crazy? But I want us to remind us with this, you can write this down as letter C, is that you need to understand adversity comes for our growth. You have to understand that it happens for our growth. Jesus is taking his disciples through this tough time knowing that they are going to grow makes me think about in Romans chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 how it says remember it says that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope there is some suffering that you have to go through sometimes that causes us to grow makes me think about the there's a group of scientists in the early 2000s they all went to Phoenix Arizona in search of creating this utopian society probably was going to go to Mars or Elon Musk or something I don't know pray for him But they went to Phoenix, Arizona, and they made this little society called the Biosphere 2. The Biosphere 2. How many of y'all like to have a house like that for a year, right? God bless. Maybe not. Okay. 
So the biosphere too, and they brought in there all kind of agriculture, all kind of different things where they would go and they would observe, can we create this perfect utopia society for a year? They wanted to see. And one of the things that stuck out to them that was so very interesting was that the trees in here, they would grow really big and grow really tall and then topple over. And the scientists couldn't figure out, why are these trees growing so big and so tall and then falling over? And they found out it's because the roots had not reached full maturity, so they weren't strong enough to withstand in the ground. And they found out because the trees outside would be hit by the wind and the natural elements of outside pressure, it caused the roots to mature and go down into the ground to be able to dig deeper. And can I tell you, for us in here as believers, sometimes God brings a little wind into our life so that we can reach full maturity. Amen? Oh, somebody say arm for adversity. You got an arm for adversity. I think it was uh, Matthew Henry, he once said, a Christian may not always be in the action of prayer, but he definitely is in the spirit of it. Amen? You need to be armed. So now we know, yeah, okay, I get it. I'm armed for adversity. But then the next thing that you must do then is write this down as number two is you must trust the Trinity. Trust the Trinity. Everybody look down at verse 35. It says, and going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Y'all, this is not a regular Sunday sermon. Don't make this a regular Sunday story. This really happened. Our Jesus really lived, and God Almighty saw fit for us to peek behind the divine curtain and see the conversation between Father and Son, and we have access to that all the time. Never take it lightly. And so he said to him, verse 36, Abba, Father, Papi, shout out to Miami, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 37, and again, he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, I got to stop and make a comment about this. I'm sorry. And all the other gospels, Matthew and Luke and John, this portion right here, I like to call this, uh, if you know our online director, Brandon, he's from Alabama. And uh, I like to call this my Brandon verb because uh, in all of them, it says, is y'all sleeping? Y'all still sleep? Mark's gospel, which is Peter's story, is the only one that points out the fact of when he said, Simon, are you sleeping? This is another sermon for another time and another day, but I do want to make a comment about this. When God calls us, he does change us, and it's almost like he changed our name. And there's some of you in here where God has called you to be a Peter, but you're functioning like a Simon. Time to have your eyes up, saints. Another sermon for another day. But let's continue on. And he said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Verse 37, we're going to read this out loud, nice and slow. We struggled at 9 a.m. We can do it today. All right, here we go. Nice, loud and slow. One, two, three. Watch out. 
Yes, amen. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Verse 40, and again, he came and found them sleeping. And and their eyes were heavy, and they did not know how to answer him. Don't judge him now. Remember, the four big glasses. Okay, pray. Verse 41, and he came a third time. I want to stop right here. When we're talking about trusting in the Trinity and trusting God when you pray, write this down as number one. You got to be honest. Be honest. Did you see that in verse 36? What did he say? Abba, Father, all things are possible from you. Can we find another way? That's our Savior. I love it because Hebrews says we have a high priest who, who, who identifies with us. You can talk to him and he knows that struggle. He's honest with his father. The scripture's full of honest prayers all the time. I think about Psalm 73. When the writer in the Psalms, he goes, God, I look at the rich and their life is great. They're fat and sleek. And they say there's no God and therefore they prosper and they live long. And he goes, therefore, bitterness, envy, jealousness, and rage has filled my heart. That's honest. How about Psalm 77, verse 3? When he says, God, when I think about you, I moan. My spirit faints within me. God, the very thought of you is making me sad. The very thought of you is making me anxious or making, you, making me sick right now. And then he finished out the psalm with, but you did this with Israel. You did do this. You did do this. You did deliver us. Okay. It's honest. You need to be honest. Or how about this one? We all know it in Mark chapter 9. The famous story of the father who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus. I think about this with youth pastors all the time. Your children are not demon-possessed. They're just misbehaved. (laughs) Pray for me. (laughs) But he brought that demon-possessed son to Jesus, and then he's talking with Jesus, and he says, "Well, well, if you can, and Jesus says, if I can, All things are possible with God. And then the dad says in verse 24, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Honest. Got to be honest. I got to read this. Everybody turn to this. Matthew chapter 6. Thinking about honesty. Matthew chapter 6. You know, the great Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody, he once said that uh, Jesus never taught his disciples to preach, but he did teach them to pray. And we're going to see it right here. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. He goes, pray then like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to this honesty, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. I need to eat, Lord. (laughs) See all these little mouths in my house. We got to eat. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, honest and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we know what that's about living in Miami. Come on, somebody. You be walking in the grocery store like, that's what you chose to wear to the grocery store? Lord, deliver me from evil. Dang. (laughs) Honest. 
I think about it in my own walk with the Lord, how I started to learn to be more honest in my talk with God. Uh, just recently, I was blessed enough here to be ordained at Christ Fellowship. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lamb. Shout out to Pastor Omar and everybody, seeing your boy fit. But uh, I'm more of an in-the-room kind of preacher, so I'm trying to work to be online and everybody at all I can. But I'm an in-the-room guy. I'm a personal guy. And so my dad, he was here, uh, but my mom was not able to make it because she was speaking at a women's conference. Uh, and, and I talked about my dad, and, and he had a big portion of me being in ministry. And I will say as a side note to parents, my dad never told me, study your Bible. I just watched him. Parents, more is caught than taught. It's the truth. But my dad, he showed me. He showed me. But my mom, she the gangster one. She gangster. And I remember when I first got saved, your boy was wild before I knew Jesus. I was wild. And so when I first got saved, I was kind of like, man, mom, the Christian life is kind of boring. It's kind of boring. And she's like, oh, boring? You're going to write a sermon every day. When I get home from work, you're going to preach the sermon to me. We're going to eat dinner. Then we're going to have Bible study. That's my mama. Gangster, right? And that's how I learned to start preaching. And I remember going off to Bible college because my mom saw that I did have an appetite to study God's word. So she found this Bible school to send me to. And, and we got there. I didn't have the money to be there. My mom was like, we're going to pray. And we prayed. And the Lord worked it out where I was able to have the uh, president of the school pay for me, actually, to go to school there out of his own pocket. But, but here's the thing that when, when the moment started. Because I'm in college and I'm struggling. And I'm going to keep it real. Your boy is not smart. I am a C guy. Don't nobody come to me and tell, don't say that, pastor. No, I know my story. I'm a C guy. I work hard for my C, right? I work hard for it. I work hard. Yes, Lord. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this boy's stupid. <laughs> I work hard for my C. But I remember I'm calling my mom, I call my mom and I'm like, man, this is happening. This is going on. I got this happening. I can't, I can't. And I'll never forget. My mom was like, you know, Al, baby, because I'm the baby. She said, Al, baby, it just dawned on me. I'm all ears now. Like, what? What? What just dawned on you? And she said, I'm not Jesus. You a black woman. I know you're not Jesus, dog. What? But I'll never forget these next words. She said, don't go to the phone, go to the throne. Click, and hung up on me, and hung up on me. But can I tell you, it was there that I learned to pray. All I had was the disciples' prayer and no one else to teach me, so I was just honest. You gotta be honest. Write this down as point number two then, is that you need to be persistent in your prayer. Did you notice Jesus prayed once, he went back, then he prayed again, and he went back, then he prayed a third time and came back. You got to be persistent in your prayer life. I think about my brother when he first started walking with the Lord, he prayed about something once and it didn't it did get answered, he didn't get what he was looking for. He's like, oh, God's not real then. Uh, bruh, come on. You have to be persistent in your prayers. I thought about this. This story actually came out of my wife's devotionals. She's been in Luke for like a year and a half now, something like this. And in Luke chapter 18, God tells a story about being persistent in our prayer life. This is Luke chapter 18 in verse 1. It says, and he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Be persistent in your prayers. Here's the story. Verse 2, and he said... In a certain city, 
There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Maybe like an evolutionist or something. I don't know. Pray for him. (laughs) And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, (laughs) I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming here. Now listen to what he says next. uh, with her continual coming here. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Be persistent in your prayers. Now I want to help us out right now. Everybody get out that phone. If you don't have a phone, God bless you. You are my hero. But get out your phone right now. I want to help us right in here right now to be persistent in our prayers. And here's what I mean. I'll explain really quickly. One of my closest friends, me and my wife's closest friends, is Thomas and Heather Overby. They are the uh, owner-operators of the Chick-fil-A and River Landing. So if you're ever visiting Miami, you come down here, you go to River Landing, you got Christ Fellowship right there and some Christian chicken. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But Thomas, Thomas is like the leadership guy. Every time I talk with him, read this book, read this book. And there was one book he had me read, and it was called The Power of Habits by this guy named Charles Duhiggs, I believe his name is. And he wrote this book, The Power of Habits, and in that book, one of the things he talked about was a keystone habit, a keystone habit. And here's what it was. You need to have one thing that your mind will be focused on that will get you focused into this habit. And so there's a cue, a routine, and a reward. Cue, routine, reward. And so for me, when I first moved here to Miami, me and my wife, we got comfortable. You know, your boys started eating them pastelitos, you know what I'm saying? Packed on a couple. So I was like, I got to lose some weight out here. And so my cue in the morning was my filthy, stank, funky, nasty running shoes. I would see them in the morning. That's my cue. I got to run, my workout, my routine. But I live downtown, and there's a great little Froyo place in Key Biscayne that is overpriced. God bless. But uh, I would go there. So when I'm running in the morning, when I see my cue of the shoes, I'm thinking about the reward, which is the frozen yogurt, you see? And so for us in here, we want to get us into the habit of praying. And so we want you to have a cue, a sign that's going to remind you, I need to pray, I need to pray, I need to pray, I need to pray. And so here's how we're doing this. You all should have your phones out and ready at this time now. We want you to set an alarm at noon. Set an alarm at noon right now. And the reason we're having you do this At noon, we're going to do this for a week as a church family. And the reason we're having you do it at noon is because how many of you know in here? The craziness of the day is all known by noon. Amen? Except for Gen Z. That's when they're waking up. God bless. It's summertime. It's summer. You know. But set that alarm at noon. And you should know that we as a church family will be praying. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. You don't know what to pray for? We got family here in Miami. Pray for Surfside. Pray for our family in Haiti. Pray for Guatemala, the things going on across this globe. You should be praying. And so for a week, as a church family, know when that alarm goes off at noon, all of Christ's fellowship, all wherever we are in the city, we're praying as a family. Let's build that habit and be persistent, amen? Now write this down then as number three, and I need to hurry up. Trust in God 
Point C, you need to trust in God. And here's what I mean by this. If you all look down at verse, verse 36 again, verse 36, it says that Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Oh, there we go. I hear some people setting that alarm. Praise him. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Listen, yet not what I will, but your will be done. Listen, when you pray to God, be honest and be persistent in your prayers, but then you need to leave it at his feet and trust him with the decision. You've got to trust God in your prayer life and trust God what you, and whatever you're doing. Whatever is happening in life, whatever is going on, trust God and leave the results to him. Now, y'all already know me, <laughs> but... uh a sermon ain't a sermon without quoting Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> Look at that guy. Ah! <laughs> Looking like a boss. Charles Spurgeon had this to say when it was talking about looking for the goodness of God in difficult situations. And my Lord and my God, we do got difficult situations here in Miami, don't we? And it's hard to trace his hand in that situation. And here's what Charles Spurgeon had to say. Charles Spurgeon said, when you can't trace the hand of God, you must then learn to trust his heart. When you can't trace his hand in whatever situation and whatever scenario you're going through, can I tell you, you got to learn to trust his heart. And so for those of you, maybe grandparents or aunts and uncles right now, and you got a situation, you got a family member that you're praying for, and it's difficult right now, and you can't see his hand, I'm reminding you, I'm encouraging you, I'm telling you, trust his heart. You got to trust God in all that you do. Now, I will say to old Chucky Spurgeon, I will tip my hat to that wisdom. That is some straight up wisdom right there. That's straight up wisdom right there. Amen. Somebody say, trust the Trinity. You got an arm for adversity. You need to trust in the Trinity. Write this down as point number three. Then you got to celebrate the victory. Write this down as letter A. You need to recognize how God answers you. Celebrate the victory and recognize how and where God is answering you. We're all going to look down at verse 41. It says, and he came a third time after that persistent prayer. And then he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Here we go, nice and loud, ready, one, two, three. Do it again, one, two, three. One more time. It is enough. It is enough. The hour has come. Mm. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, I got to explain some of this. That word, it is enough, is actually one word in the Greek. And the way that this would look like is that whole, it is enough, uh, um, literally, it's a compound word, and one of it means to be far away from or to, to let go. And so it's, uh, you know, I've dropped this item and I've picked up this one now. And so when he says it is enough, whatever I have here is enough. And so I need to explain it one more time, going a little step further now. <laughs> Bear with me. This is in the singular Personal, active, indicative tense. And y'all are going, what does that mean? This means it is 
for you, specifically you, actively working within you in that time, and it is an absolute fact. So when Jesus says it is enough, well, what he's talking about is he went into the garden with fear and anxiety, and he left out with exactly what he needed, enough to make it to the cross. And can I tell you, that's a little victory. God did not change the circumstance. Our Savior is still going to the cross, but he gave him what he needed to make it to the cross. And can I tell you, for, for all of us in here as believers, we need to have our eyes up by recognizing where God is working. He will give you exactly what you need so you can make it through whatever that circumstance is. We've often heard it said, we are not children of circumstance, but children of God, Amen. and he'll bring us through. So I want to think about this is because, take a look at this, here's a quick example. Now I got my cell phone here, it is busted and disgusted and needs Jesus in its life, right? Because I'm a youth pastor, you know how it is, Friday night, you're like, oh, put that down, bang, oh man, my phone, whatever. So it's toe up. But what I do is, is my phone, it has its own little power source, but then whenever I connect it and plug it up to a power source, then I have this outside source feeding and giving power to my phone. But here's what I want you to know. My phone's still busted and disgusted. It just has full power now. And for some of us in here as believers, you need to be reminded when you go and connect to God in prayer, he gives you what you need to make it through. I think that's why we love Psalm 23, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Here's what he's saying. God will take you to it. He absolutely will give you the power to bring you through it. And you need to remember that, church family. Recognize the small victories. Jesus had what he needed to get through the garden. Now I want to end with a story very, very close and personal to my own heart and our own family here because we walked through this where we had to be armed for adversity we needed to trust in the Trinity and there was a time for us to celebrate the victory. Right before COVID, my wife and I, we went back home to Michigan to celebrate uh, her older sister's wedding. I performed the wedding of the older sister and it was a great time. We had a great time, great day, hey. And then the next day, we were in the hospital for over a month and a half with her dad. This is my guy right here. Look at Pop. <laughs> Shout out to the corona in the hat. I know. God bless. That's my dog. And, uh, and I, definitely, I definitely married his spirit animal, huh? <laughs> my little Mookie. That's why I call Aubrey. We're pet name people. Judge me all day. I don't care. But there we were in the hospital. And can I tell you right away when we were in the hospital, Aubrey grabbed the hands of her sisters and her little brother. Let's pray. And we would pray. And we would pray. And we would pray. And I remember before, the night before dad's big surgery with the virus going all throughout his body, Aubrey grabbed dad's hand on the bed and everyone else around. And she prayed a prayer that was honest. God, we want our dad. Save our pops. But I'll never forget she ended it with trust. But if you see fit to take him home, Lord, would you encourage us that we would all be with him one day and all be with you in your presence. 
And I'll never forget at the end of the prayer, when we all said amen, Pop was like, amen. Because while he's laying in that bed, we are connecting to a source that can connect to him. You see? That's what prayer does for us. But can I tell you, he didn't change our circumstance. Pops did not come out of that surgery. And I remember standing with Aubrey and her family in the hallway. And it was one of those moments, all my husband's in here, it's that moment of, as a husband, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can say, no, you can't fix nothing, nothing you can do. I remember Aubrey let out this cry where she just said, I don't know why. But then she said, but God is good. And I want to encourage all of us in here, family, there are times where life may hit you and you may look and go, I don't know why, but God is good. I will trust him no matter what. You know, I remember uh, when I was talking to Aubrey about this, because she was the one who was like, yeah, you should share this story. You know, I'm like, oh, you sure? (laughs) And we were talking about this and Aubrey was standing there and she's deep and really profound. I'm thankful that God like, blinded her eyes until it's too late to realize I'm stupid. But um, we were standing in the kitchen talking about this. You remember, Moose? And she just was thinking, I said, man, well, what do you think? And Aubrey Aubrey said, "Uh, you know, I think sometimes people look at prayer as a means to an end. She said, when sometimes prayer is all you need in the end. Can I remind us in here, family? We've got to keep our eyes up. (laughs) By arming for adversity, trusting in our trinity, and celebrating those small victories he gives us. So if you're in here today and this this is God's message to you, we want to encourage you. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Because sometimes in the end, It's all you need. (laughs) Eyes up, saints. Eyes up. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word and all that you're doing in your word. God, be with each and every person in here right now who has a prayer request. Help them not to lose heart. And help them to cling on to you. Stay connected to the power source. Lord, I want to encourage us all. I want Christ Fellowship to be known as a praying church. That people who are hurting, who are far from you, they know that they can come to any Christ Fellowship location and they will receive prayer. They'll have someone praying over them. Let us be known as a people of prayer. Let us be known as a people with our eyes up. Lord, we're thankful for all that you've done. And all of God's people said, amen amen and amen. Come on, family. Now, I want to encourage those of you in here, uh, if you are watching even online right now and you do need prayer, you can go to cfmiami.org slash prayer and Brandon, our online coordinator and everybody else, our team, we will be praying for you. But really, we want to encourage you, pray for yourself. You don't need some high priest anymore. Our high priest, Jesus, has then led us safely to God. Amen.
Amen. So that we can freely commune with him. Well, in the words of uh, my dog, Pastor Mark, <laughs> I love God and I love you, Christ Fellowship. We'll see y'all.